Basketball season is back for Boston College. Will Earl Grant's program bring hype or more misery for Eagles fans? All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Today is our big basketball preview. We're going to get in and dive into the men's basketball team and what we should expect. But before we get into that, I should say there are two basketball games on campus today. The women's team opened their season against Harvard. Joanna McNamee's program looking to get themselves back to the level they were pre-pandemic, where they were about to get into the uh, tournament, but were actually shut out because of COVID. And then... Last year, they were kind of just off, but they're going to be led by Taylor Soul, uh, Mar- Marnell Garad, and Cameron Schwartz, who should give them a good trio of talent that should hopefully get them back into a good position in the ACC. So good luck to the women's basketball team. We'll talk more about them later, uh, but we got to talk about the men's because they're, they're opening today, too. So Earl Grant, first-year head coach. Uh, coming to Boston College from College of Charlestown. You know, there's not a lot of buzz about this program. I mean, right now, if you talk to Boston College fans, most people are just not really all that interested because BC basketball has been to the point where it's been irrelevant for 13 years now, 12 years, where they've had like maybe one or two successful seasons and then just really you know, underperforming here and not underperforming, just performing poorly because they haven't been able to build a roster that has enough depth to challenge in the ACC. Unfortunately, I look at this year's team, the 2021-2022 season, and I see a lot of hungry players. You know, they went to recruit, they got like three or four freshmen. They're all hungry guys, guys like, you know, Devin McLaughlin and uh, Jaden Zachary and, and, Kanye Jones. All of these guys have had good high school careers, but were all under-recruited, which is kind of what you want at Boston College. These kids that have a chip on their shoulder, that are developmental projects. So that's good. But what worries me about this Boston College basketball team is the, the loss of so much scoring. They lost Jay Heath to Arizona State, C.J. Felder to Florida, um, Rich Kelly to UMass, and uh, Steph Mitchell went into the NBA draft. He ended up, I think, with the Utah Jazz for their summer team. But that's a lot to give up. You know, as poorly as BC played last year, they were 4-16. and 16. They were not a good team. But to lose that much talent, C.J. Felder was a guy going in the right direction. I thought Jay Heath had his moments, too. But that's going to be a lot for Earl Grant to, to make up. And the guys that he brought in, I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to compete at the level that they did last year. Even though that they lost 16 games, they were in some of them. Um, and, you know, they don't have the score. I don't know who's going to be the go-to scorer on this team. Is it going to be DeMar Langford? He didn't seem like last year like he's that kind of player. Uh, Makai Ashton Langford is more of a slash and score. So who's going to pick that up? Could it be Brevin Galloway, the transfer from College of Charlestown, who knew Earl Grant before he transferred over to BC? Big question with him. He's a guard. He had knee surgery. What's he going to look like? He's already said that it was kind of rusty, but he feels 100% now. That's that's good, but you know, with the wear and tear of a season, 
Sometimes those things can change. So Galloway could be someone to watch for. I like uh, one name that I like that I've I've heard of um, that could be you really develop if if Grant does a nice job with him is T.J. Bickerstaff, who is from Drexel. He averaged 11 points a game last year. He brought Drexel to the NBA uh, NCAA tournament where they lost to Illinois in the first round. You know he's six nine, bigger kid. Maybe you know with some good uh, you know good talent around him, maybe he'll he'll grow. Uh, so it's going to be a challenging year. So I'm not going to be the first person here to say that Boston College is going to turn it around in year one. What we should look for, what's a realistic goal for Boston College is some big things. They need to improve on defense first and foremost. Their defense was abysmal last year. And so, yes, on one hand, it's it stinks to see C.J. Felder and, and Jay Heath and all these other guys leave. But remember, these are also the guys that couldn't play defense either. So it's it, it stinks that they're leaving because you're going to lose their scoring, but they couldn't stop anything. So it's 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 different. You you're losing guys, but you're bringing in guys in your system that can play defense because that is what Earl Grant is pushing for, and I think that defense could get Boston College into some games. If BC mucks up some games against some of these teams. They could be a, a fun team. I don't know if the games will be fun because they're going to make it mucky, but they could be an interesting team to watch. So I'm interested to see how their defense plays. And I'm interested with how these new complementary pieces fit in. Who is, who's going to be the starting lineup at this point? You know, I'm imagining it's going to be the Langford brothers at guard. Fred Scott probably as one forward along with Karnick, James Karnick at forward, I guess. And maybe Quentin Post or James Vanderbarn at center. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they're going to line that up. They're going to have to figure some things out. Because they could also put uh, Bickerstaff in the, in the starting lineup, move Karnick over to the five. I mean, they, there's a million different configurations. So we're going to have to wait tonight's game against Dartmouth. This is a big game for Boston College. Dartmouth didn't play at all last year. The Ivy League uh, sat out all last season because of COVID. They did not want to play. So Boston College is a 13-point favorite. They should win this game easily. They struggle. That's gonna give you a good feeling. I mean, they're gonna struggle at different times during the season, but against a team like Dartmouth, they really shouldn't. Um, they play Fairfield later. That should be a game where they may see struggle a little bit more. So the game is on ACC Network Extra. I encourage you to check it out. See where Boston College basketball is heading this year. I know there's a lot of excitement within the program. Uh, we'll have to see where they're going, but you want to see where they're kind of progressing to because next year's recruiting class is awesome they brought in they've got two four stars they've got some really exciting players coming in so they just need to start to develop and build a little bit to get those guys in and then you're going to see what earl grant can do now in a moment we're going to have we're going to have mitch wolf on our show to talk about bc not bc football all the ncaa games in college football from the last week and he's going to have some uh, picks that you may like, but you know who? What picks I like? Prize picks. Prize picks is a leader in college football, fantasy, daily fantasy. And it's easy to use. Prize picks makes more props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid major players you may now have heard of. I went on Prize Pick on Saturday to pick some college football plays, and there were so many different options. You anything you can think of on Prize Picks, basically. You put it in, boom, you can find it. And if you're like, oh, I want to do college football and I want to do the NBA, you can do that too. You can mix and match and make whatever kind of bet you want. Prize Picks walks you through it. It's super easy to use. Just pick two to five players, the over-under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the Apple App Store and Google Play, and they're going to match. If you put up to $100, they're going to give you 100 
50% deposit match, just make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON. Prize Pick is safe and easy to use, and they offer fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Happy Tuesday, everyone. We're talking with Mitch Wolf about the weekend in college football that was. Now, Mitch joins us on Monday to talk about BC football, but we always love to have Mitch back on to talk about all the other games that happened. Mitch, how's it going? You know, it wasn't my best week as a gambler, so that's kind of disappointing, but otherwise a very fun and pretty chaotic week of college football. So obviously, if we're going to talk about the ACC, the biggest game of the weekend was not Boston College of Virginia Tech. It was UNC stunning Wake Forest in a game with, again, no defense. A win for the win for the Tar Heels, 58-55, and dropping Wake Forest. Uh, uh, they don't actually lose an ACC game, but it basically removes ACC's hope of getting into the college football playoffs. Mitch, what did you think about this game? I mean, this game was like I it's like I predicted. It was going to be a ton of fun, tons of scoring, tons of big plays. You had Sam Howell going off, Ty Chandler going off for UNC, and obviously Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry had big games for Wake. Um, just a really fun game from top to bottom. You know, Wake kind of let it get away from them in the fourth quarter because, you know, their defense just really struggled to finish the game and tackle. So, and that's kind of, that was the book on Wake Forest. They could score with anybody, but, you know, they was really struggling on defense. So that finally caught up to them. And, you know, they've, I think they've still got a good chance to finish with one loss. You know, they have BC the final week of the season, so that'll be interesting. But, you know, they're, they're, I think they're still probably the favorite to win the Atlantic. So we'll see how that goes in the final few weeks. I saw one of my old, uh, blogging uh friends cam lemons who writes for blogging uh blogger so dear about wake forest and he was he was standing on a mountain trying to claim that it wasn't the defense's fault it was the offense i don't know man i look at wake forest scoring 24 points in the second half and go how can that i mean they probably could have scored more but you scored enough points to win a game there. That can't be all. Yeah, I mean, that. I'm sure the the list of games that you lose where you score 55 is probably pretty short. So, you know, letting up and the the amount of games where you let up 58 points is probably quite long. So, uh, yeah, I I it's I don't think it's any you know it's not a crazy take to say. I mean, maybe I would imagine maybe he's doing a bit where it's like, no, guys, I promise it's it's a uh, it's the Leslie Nielsen gift from one of the Naked Gun movies where. The building is exploding. It's like, everybody stay calm. <laughs> All right, let's move along. Uh, Pitt, they, uh, their offense took care of business as they uh, smothered Duke. Um, any last thoughts about this game? I mean, this is a quick and easy one. Duke is, yeah, Duke th- is toast. This one, actually, this one actually had a bit of controversy because Pat Narduzzi claimed in his post-game press conference that one of Duke's offensive tackles, who as he was a grad transfer from Pitt, was calling out some of Pitt's defensive signals early in the game which is kind of how Duke was able to kind of, they scored 12 points in the first quarter, you know, their offense actually got some things going. So that was a bit of a, uh, an interesting thing from our doozy to uh, allege that kind of behavior on a former player. So that, that that's something to, you know, look into, I would say. Yeah. I mean, uh, Pitt, they're, they're still in control in the, in this coastal and the big game though, I think is going to be watching what Miami does because I was saying unlocked on ACC, Miami has a pretty easy schedule to get in to win the coastal conference. If they, if they continue to play well, they have Virginia tech and they have Duke and, and Florida state. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they 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 snuck by Georgia Tech on Saturday, 33-30, in a game that is a preview kind of of what we're going to see against BC this week. Yeah, I mean, you know, pretty much everything that could go wrong for Georgia Tech this season has gone wrong, at least on the field. You know, they had a nice win against UNC early in the year. That seems like it was years ago now. I mean, they're just – plummeting back to earth uh you know like i did predict this to be a high scoring game and it was so that's good um and georgia tech did cover but yeah i'm not i mean i like georgia tech will present some unique problems for bc's defense given that they have a very mobile quarterback and some decent offensive weapons but that defense isn't playing super well and yeah i just i don't, I don't really know what to make of georgia tech right now yeah i mean it's going to be a tough game for them bc mm-hmm. opens as a two-point favorite on the road i think it's their first time against an acc opponent this year that they're favorited that's what happens when you get Phil, Phil Dracovic back. Because I believe, yeah. if I remember, if I read online, when they faced the Hokies, they were they were a three-point underdog going into that. And then when Dracovic mm-hmm. was announced as quarterback, I think it went right over to pick him. It did. Yeah, so I, I had it. I think it was originally at three. It was down to two and a half for a little bit. And then as soon as they announced Dracovic, it went down to even – and then some had it down at one. So, but yeah, I mean, Jerkovic being worth about two or three points, that seems about fair. Yep. All right. So North Carolina state, they took care of business against Florida state. I watched like 10 seconds of this game, got bored, shut it off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, I mean, you know, no weird scoring, just straight up UNC scores a touchdown or NC state scores a touchdown once every quarter, Florida state makes it a little interesting in the third, but you know, obviously the Knowles can't much much going. Uh, it's kind of interesting about Florida State because, you know, obviously they're struggling this year, but they're in these, they're you know, relatively in these games. You know, I'm not saying Mike Norvell is it completely turned around, but they definitely seem to be going more in the right direction than they have been in at least the last few seasons before this. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he's doing a poor job at all. I think he's got the, I, you know, and once he gets his recruits in here and starts to get the, you know, I mean, they've got some big level guys. I know they have one of the top ten recruits in the country coming next mm-hmm. year. You know, this this team I think is going to be in good shape. Yeah, they and they've got um a lot of like they brought in a lot of transfers this year, like uh, the uh, Jermaine Johnson, the transfer from Georgia, who, you know, Georgia defense is obviously elite right now, and he just couldn't get playing time, and he comes to Florida State and he's lighting the world on fire. So you know, he's I think Norvell's using the transfer porter portal well to get some to get some talent infusions and like you said you know once he gets those full cycles of recruiting and you know he might be able to finally be able to get the Seminoles turned around and then finally the last ACC game of the week was Clemson beating Louisville and Clemson is um they're playing by um uh they're playing with explosives because man they Louisville had this game at the end and couldn't get the ball into the end zone kind of like reminds me of what happened with BC but little bit different but another game you know ending game end of a game where brent venable's defense kind of holds on to win a game for them yeah i mean this i think this is just gonna be how clemson plays this year against everybody like their defense is going to play pretty well for most of the game they're, i mean this was one of their best offensive performances of the season so far which is pretty sad um yep. but you know dj uangale had a pretty decent game which so you know good for him to kind of get things turned around Millie cunningham was still great on the ground you know People were kind of praising his passing early in the season, but in the last few weeks, it seems like it's just kind of been him creating with his legs, which is, you know, very fair. He's turned into, you know, an elite runner uh, from at the quarterback position. Um, but yeah, Louisville just couldn't get it done at the end. They had, you know, one of the uh, situations similar to Cincinnati or um, Tulsa against Cincinnati, where they had the ball, you know, down late, chance to score and even go up. But, you know, play calling, I didn't, didn't love the play call on fourth to just roll him out that way and not really give him many options. So, couldn't get the uh, win against Clemson there. So that was, now we're back and better than ever. 
a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. I love Bet Online. It's so easy to use. Earlier this season, I made a bet for NC State at uh, six and a half wins. I already cashed in on that. You can make your bets too, especially with college basketball right around the corner. You can head over to Bet Online and find all your futures and all your game wages that you want to make. Head to our new updated date desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 21 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Remember, use that promo code locked on to get your 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online, where the game starts. The ACC, and there was also some big games in uh, in the top 25. We'll just go over quickly. The one that stuck out to me that I watched was Purdue. Uh, taking down Michigan State. Now, this is the second top five win they have. They took out Iowa earlier a couple weeks ago. And what interests me mostly about Purdue is this this team is a team that is, like, on paper, cannot beat anybody uh, that is in the middle of the road. You know, they have losses against, um, uh, sorry, Minnesota, Notre Dame, um, and they have now beaten two top five teams, and they have Ohio State this week. So they have the possibility of winning three top five games if they can pull it off. Mitch, did you get a chance to check out any of anything about this game? I did. I had this one on because I was really wrong on this game. You know, I thought Michigan state would win. I thought the under would hit and it was just points, points, points. And most of them from Purdue, just throwing the ball all over the yard. Um, I'll actually be at the Purdue Ohio state game this week as I live in Columbus. So I'll be seeing that one live, which will be interesting. I, I think Ohio state will win this one. I, I because I, uh, I just think, you know, the book is kind of out of Purdue. Like nobody's going to overlook them now, you know, they've beaten two top five teams. So, you know, you got to prepare properly. Uh, so I think that, you know, Purdue's kind of shot their shot and they've, they've been successful, but you know, I think the, the third time will not be the charm for them this time. We'll have to see. And then uh, t- going from the top 25 to the basement, uh, UMass uh, Walt Bell is out after three seasons and two wins. <laughs> which is crazy to think about, but yeah. you also have to consider they played what four games last year. Um, so, I mean, he, he wasn't getting it done and losing the URI this week definitely will not get it done. And he's out. Um, I, I have to wonder if his comments about, I mean, if you hadn't listened, Walt Bell is the head coach of, or was the head coach of UMass made some comments that were pretty, pretty pointed at, at UMass's athletic department a couple of weeks ago, talking about realignment and why UMass wasn't invited, basically saying, we don't have any of the, the facilities. We don't put the money into it. So why would they invite me, invite us? And he's gone two weeks later. So I, I got a feeling that uh, that made the athletic department's job a little easier, but what are your thoughts, Mitch? Yeah. I mean, don't bite the hand that feeds you obviously. Uh, but I mean, it, it makes, I mean, his comments are, are fair, right. you know, oh, absolutely. Not great facilities, you know, they, that stadium is, arguably the worst in college football. They're not a conference. There's not really much to play for, you know, recruiting their stuff. I think I read in the athletic where they kind of were previewing some possible candidates for the job that many consider this to be the worst job in the FBS. And even they were like, listen, like they can't really go down to FCS because it's a lot, big loss of revenue as well. So you kind of just got to tough it out and, you know, figure something out to do moving forward. Yeah, they need to hit lightning in a bottle. And I, I was like, I sent Mitch a, a note. So the names that have been popping around, Don Brown, Boston College's former defensive coordinator. He was the head coach of UMass when they had their successful national championship as a, a FCS school. So I, you know, 
Arizona. He's play, he's the defensive coordinator at Arizona. He's making, I think, about $800,000, which is about what they paid Walt Bell, if I believe, if I remember correctly. So they might be able to afford him, and maybe he just wants to get the heck out of Tucson because um, Arizona's not a very good school. Now, either, now, right? now, they just got their first win in uh, over a year. So, you know, things are tracking. And, you know, if, if I'm an old guy like Don Brown, you know, I mean, Grant, he's a New England guy, so maybe he feels differently. But if, you know, if you want your last stop of your career, you know, down in Arizona where it's some nice weather and some good golfing, you know, I, I don't think he would turn that down to come back to good old uh, Amherst, Massachusetts. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other names that you've seen is the head coach of Holy Cross, which I think Mitch and I were saying probably makes the most sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to, you know, if he'll work. I mean, he he's a, he's a gamble on himself. But I, I was the SB Nation site underdog dynasty listed Tim, Tim Lokobu as a possible uh, option. I don't, I mean, I don't want to keep saying this because every time they mention a BC coordinator linked with like UMass or UConn that they wouldn't take it. But I, again, I don't have the the statistics in front of me of how much he makes, but I don't think it's probably that far off of what the head coach makes at UMass. So would he take us? It's honestly a step down and it's, it's not career suicide, but it's a humongous risk for a young coach like Tim to take a step like that. Absolutely. I mean, Luca Boos, uh, career right now is trending in a very good direction. You know, the defense was decent last year. It had some moments. And then this year they're playing super well. Statistically, I just published my article looking at BC from a statistical standpoint, and they're one of the best defenses in the nation uh, looking at the numbers. And, you know, I, I still think he needs another year or two of, you know, similar play from a defense. And then, you know, maybe he gets poached by a power five, a bigger power five program to be their defensive coordinator. So you know, I, I don't, I don't really see him going to UMass. He doesn't have a ton of connection there. Uh, and like you said, you know, it's, it's really is just career suicide for, I mean, you can kind of figure it out maybe a few years down the road, but you just go there, you know, you waste away for, you just waste a few years of your career. That's all you gain by going there really. I mean, and I think my, my thought is if UMass is going to poach somebody from a power five school, it's going to be like a positional coach. Like you mentioned uh, it's the wide receiver coach for Pitt, like something oh, like Marion. Yeah. 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 Yeah, something like that, that, you know, that has that kind of experience. They're not going to get a coordinator because honestly, I think I believe from what I've read, BC's coordinators are getting paid more. So that was my thoughts on that. Um, now, heading on over to our old friend Adazio over at Colorado State, because we always love talking about Steve Adazio here on Locked On Boston College. And they lost to Wyoming. And of course, he gives another great quote after the game. And I'm going to play it right here. If you think I'm going to forget that, you don't know me very well. I'll never forget that. Ever. That's Steve Adazio with his quote of the game. And Mitch, sounds like everything we've ever heard after a Boston College game. Am I right? I mean, so when I saw this, I, I, you know, I, I didn't like click it at first. I just kind of watched it without the sound on Twitter. And I, I thought he was like threatening to fight the, like a media member saying like, do you want to take this outside or something? Cause I mean, I say that as a joke, but you know, I could tell you that and be like, oh yeah, that sounds like something Steve Adazio would do. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, again, I don't think that he's going to be long for this job, you know, looking at the rest of their schedule, I feel like they're going to finish about four and eight. There's not a ton of momentum with that program. You know, he's blown some big game he's blown some games that he could have won obviously against uh Boise State in that one I think it was Boise State uh and then 
uh, going against Vanderbilt. So, you know, he's had opportunities to kind of get this program turned around and I just don't think it's going well. You know, he's obviously getting testy with the media there. So, you know, I, I think they might be looking for a new coach relatively soon. We spend about 30 seconds to 45 seconds on Steve Adazio every week. Uh, my Friday co-host, Eric Hostis, every time BC, I mean, uh, Adazio plays, has about five tweets or six tweets about him. You have to check him out. So make sure you follow Eric. <laughs> uh, he was he was talking to someone who was following Colorado State, I think a media member, and was floored with Adazio's play call and the goal line uh, situations and going, why the hell is he calling the plays like he does? So if you want more context on what Adazio is doing, check that out. Mitch, was there any other games that you wanted to talk about? Uh, you know, I, I mean, like I said, it was a pretty crazy week. It just, just mainly because of the Purdue thing, you know, a lot of undefeated t- or a lot of teams that were ranked lost to unranked teams. You know, you had Bama struggling with LSU, Oregon with weird game against Washington, Ohio State weird game against Nebraska. Cincinnati's still kind of struggling to close teams out. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think my, my, this is just a really interesting week for the college football playoff committee, you know, there's been some griping about Cincinnati not being ranked high enough, especially with their upcoming opponents not being ranked. But, you know, uh, people are like, oh, like you're holding Cincinnati to a different standard. And it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, I think that that's fair to do that because, you know, they are playing lesser opponents and I get it. Ohio State isn't defeating Nebraska. And, you know, Nebraska is their record is bad, but they're play They've been playing pretty well in every game. So, you know, I, I think we do need to be a little fair to these teams that, you know, you do struggle with these games, but uh, I'm, I'm not super sold in Cincinnati, given that they're not, you know, dominating these teams in the way that a team that wants to be ranked in the top four should be that right. with that being said, the gap between Georgia and everybody else is a chasm that is miles wide. So, you know, ultimately I don't think it matters because Georgia is just so far and ahead the best team in this, uh, this country this year. I, I had to say, I watched a little bit of the Georgia Missouri game just because I wanted to see how that Missouri team that put up 40 or 30 something points against BC looked against uh, Georgia. Connor Bazelak didn't play because he was hurt. Yeah, I think so they, was... they trotted out two true freshmen at quarterback. So that was, I'm sure that was a fun day for them. Uh, yeah, they got murdered by Georgia's defense. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like that's like the, the the stories you think about when you like think about kids who played Derrick Henry in high school. But it's like imagine like you're a quarterback in Missouri and you're a freshman. You're like, all right, you got to go out and play against Georgia, and then you have you know an econ one on one final coming up the next week, and you just come back to your freshman dorm in Missouri after just getting the you know the piss beaten out of you by Jordan Davis and those guys, and you're like, I don't know what my life is right now. Right. And, and then you have Stenson, Stenson Bennett, who is basically the Dennis Grossell of Georgia football, throwing dimes all over the place. I don't know where this guy came from. Um, my, my bet, my bet online bet of JT Daniels looks awful because he doesn't yeah. look like I mean, I play. think they're basically just keeping uh, JT Daniels in as like a relief pitcher in case like Bennett really just starts to go off the deep end. And like, if that's your, you know, kind of relief pitcher, that's, that's one of the best relief pitchers you can have. And I mean, the funny thing about Stetson Bennett is like, he's not even the most ridiculous player on this team. They have a wide receiver. Who's like their main wide receiver. His name is lad McConkey, who is, I think he's like a true freshman walk-on who's, you know, this little, you know, kind of like Patriots slot receiver S dude. And, you know, he's their leading receiver among four and five stars. So, you know, yeah. that's just another crazy wrinkle to Georgia this year. And they get Tennessee this week, which could that be, should a, be good, a good game. This should be a good game. Tennessee's, an sec team heading in the right direction. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Florida Gators, another team heading in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, But Mitch, where can people find you on social media? We got, we got to wrap this up. Yep. You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E on Twitter. I just post, like I said, just post my article with the BC by the numbers, looking at some of BC statistics this year. And uh, 
we're hopefully the the proper YouTube channels will be posting a decent broadcast copy of the game where I can kind of dive into some film analysis of Phil Jerkovich and the BC offense. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Mitch. And this is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. On tomorrow's show, we're going to re- uh, review Boston College basketball's first game. They open their season tonight against Dartmouth. We'll have all the full details about what happened in that game and all the blow-by-blows. Plus, we'll start diving into Georgia Tech. So it's a pack game, a pack. Uh, episode of Locked on BC. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up on YouTube. You hit that subscribe button. You'll make me a happy man. Thank you all and see you all again soon. Take care, everyone.